May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's probably not a more memorable story about Jesus' ministry than this. Jesus walking on water toward a boat full of disciples in the middle of a storm. The image of Jesus walking on water probably made quite an impression on those of us who heard it for the first time as children in a Sunday school class. And it is a favorite for mass-produced prints especially the kind one might find in a Christian bookstore alongside pillows and plates inscribed with a Bible verse or inspirational message. Google Jesus walking on water art, and you'll find hundreds of kitsch images depicting Warner Salman's 1940s blue-eyed, blonde-haired, white-skinned Jesus walking alone on the water, a definitively American image in more ways than one. Scattered among these pictures are a few depictions of Jesus with Peter, but the only paintings that really get this scene right are the ones that include Jesus, Peter, and the disciples in the boat. And these usually come in the form of an icon, those sacred images, be they ancient or contemporary, that are made for devotion to help us more fully enter into the gospel text. Google Jesus walking on water icon, and you'll notice the difference. The point is that this story is not simply about Jesus calming the storms in our individual lives, however true that may be. And it is not simply about Jesus being someone who does miraculous things like walk on water, although that is true too. The point is that this passage is about the church community as a whole, the church depicted in the story as the boat full of disciples and as Peter, the representative of them. Peter, the one whom Jesus will name the rock, on whom I'll build my church. So I want to reflect this morning on what this passage means for us as a faith community, what this passage means for All Saints Episcopal Church, especially as we are about to enter a program year focused on dreaming about and discerning the future of our block. Of course, in his role as rector, Simon will be the one who will lead us in these conversations. It's on my mind right now because his rector forums on the future of the block have a prominent place in my adult formation brochure that I'm finalizing as we speak. Simon will lead us in conversation about how best to use this amazing resource we have, prime real estate right here in Midtown Atlanta, a whole city block bordered by West Peachtree, North Ave, Spring Street, and Ponce. He will lead us in conversation about how best to fulfill our mission to be a church in the city for the city. And of course, as Christians, being for the city always means being alert to and prioritizing the needs of the most vulnerable among us especially in a time of so much unmet need. 
When I read our gospel story about Jesus, Peter, and the boat full of disciples in the middle of the storm, I can't help but reflect on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's insights about Peter. As many of you know, Bonhoeffer was the 20th century German pastor theologian who lived during the worldwide depression and the rise of the Nazi regime and wrote extensively about the church's role in society. As a church leader living in the middle of economic and political upheaval, living in the midst of the storm, he knew that he was a part of a society that, like the disciples in the boat, desperately needed to be saved. Given this, Bonhoeffer wants his church to understand the connection between God's action and human action, between God's saving work in the world and human capacity and responsibility to transform society. As Episcopalians, we have pithy phrases that try to capture the relationship, like we are God's hands and feet in the world, a true enough statement but the story about Peter reveals that there's more to it than that. Bonhoeffer points to two scenes in Peter's life that help us navigate the tension between God's power and our own. The first scene is Peter's call to discipleship. Mark's gospel reads, As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, later called Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Bonhoeffer interprets the call to discipleship as Jesus calling us into a new situation beyond our previous existence, a situation that will be beyond our control and comfort and therefore will be an opportunity for us to learn to have faith. Bonhoeffer's point in highlighting this first scene, though, is to affirm that on the one hand, human beings do have God-given strengths and freedom to act in a positive way in the world. Peter cannot save himself by bringing about his own conversion, Bonhoeffer says, but he can leave his nets. He can do that on the strength of his human freedom. Bonhoeffer then turns to our gospel reading for today to the second scene on Peter's discipleship journey. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side. But by evening time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water toward Jesus. In the first scene, Peter could rely on his own strength. In the second, he cannot. He can rely only on the power of Jesus and on his own desire to act. Bonhoeffer says Peter knows that he cannot climb out of that boat on his own power. The first step as he tries to walk on water would already be his downfall. So he calls, command me to come to you on the water. Christ answers, come. Peter's discipleship journey represents both the human capacity to act and God's power to save. I wonder, 
As an All Saints community, which aspect of Peter's life are we more comfortable with as we think about the future of the block? We are a community that knows how to use our human strength and expertise to get things done. We know that we are called to be God's hands and feet in the world, evidenced by multiple nonprofits we've incubated and launched, as evidenced by our parish commitments to refugee ministry and to threads, as evidenced by the myriad gifts people bring to nurture our communal life. We are a parish filled with impressive and successful people doing inspiring work in the city in our professional lives. We are highly educated movers and shakers, business leaders, lawyers, civil servants, medical doctors, and public health officials, academics and educators, the list goes on, who together have an enormous amount of financial and social capital, who together have vast amounts of expertise across an expanse of fields. Moreover, our pews are filled with people who have skills and insights we might not even know about, who also have contributions to make as we envision the future of our block. And God wants us to take all this knowledge, expertise, and passion into account as we discern our way forward. As Jesus said to Simon Peter, the fisherman, I'll take your lifelong experience and professional expertise and I'll put it to use for the sake of the kingdom. I'll make you a fisher of men. But the second scene of Peter's discipleship journey presses us to do more than rely on our human strength and expertise. It presses us to do more than claim that we are God's hands and feet in the world. What if we dream so big about the future of the block that like the disciples battled by the waves of the sea, we get in over our heads and have to rely on God's strength to do more for us than we can do for ourselves. The thing about human strength and expertise is that it forms us into people whose visions are limited by what we think is realistic and in our control. The more we learn to rely on our own human power, the less we put ourselves in situations where we must rely on God's. Bonhoeffer's right, if we're honest, so many of us Christians who have relative control over our lives also struggle to have faith because we rarely put ourselves in situations where we have to learn to believe. What if the reason why we lack faith in our time is that we're not doing much that requires it? This is our chance, together as an entire parish community, to grow in faith worthy of the name. And if we do, if we dream big about what we can do with this block, I imagine our story will unfold much like the one we read today. Notice that Jesus didn't seem all that concerned that they were in over their heads. It's almost as if he wanted them to get into that position where they'd have to call on him and experience divine power. If we dream big, I imagine at times we will become fearful, like the disciples in the boat, as we participate in the work Jesus would have us do. At times, we won't recognize that it's Jesus who called us to this work and will mistaken him for a ghost. 
but he will be right there to say to us, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. What if we get so in so over our heads that some of us are forced to cry out, Lord, if this is of you, command us to come to you on the water. And what if we get to hear Jesus say to us what he said to Peter, come. Isn't it possible that we too could get out of that boat and walk on water? Amen.